So, maybe you're new to Only Believe, or you've just been here a while observing, but you're not involved. You know you're a part of a bigger picture, but you don't know exactly what that looks like. I'm Pastor Nicole. I'm asking you to become a member here at Only Believe. Spend a Saturday morning with me, the first Saturday of the month, and let me share with you this wonderful prayer that we pray for your life. I want to discuss it with you. 
You know, it's important that we know who God is, and then when we know who He is, our soul and our hearts begin to change. And we find freedom from things that often have been a vice in our life or chains that the devil meant to hold us bound. And then I'm gonna help you discover your purpose. We're gonna go through a class together and learn what you were designed to do. And then we're gonna do that and make a difference in the kingdom. See, everyone has a part to play in the body of Christ. I want you to find yours. Join me Saturday for next steps. You will definitely see what's next for you. gentlemen, I'm Jesse DePlanis. I'm coming to Only Believe Ministries once again there in Botkins, Ohio. Peter and Phyllis, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. I'll be there Saturday, January the 2nd at 6.30 p.m. and then Sunday, January the 3rd at 10 a.m. Bring a friend, share a miracle. We'll always start our year out right there at Only Believe Ministries. Why? Because isn't that wonderful to have that kind of name? Only Believe. I'll see you Saturday, January the 2nd at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday, January the 3rd at 10 a.m. Bring a friend, share a miracle. We're going to have a wonderful time. 2021 is coming, and it's about time we start having a great time. See you there. Hello, family of faith. How are you guys doing tonight? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. All right, real quick, I want you to turn to someone next to you and say hello. Tell them that you're glad to see them here tonight. And live streamers, we're so glad that you tuned in. Drop a heart below if you're watching, and we'd love to see you here sometime. Uh, the first thing that I have is the 21 Days of Prayer is coming up on January the 3rd. And it's going to be a powerful 21 nights of prayer. We're going to meet here at 7 p.m. and pray together. But you also can come throughout the day at any time uh, and spend some time in prayer. Also, if you have a specific prayer request, you can go out there. Uh, and do it on the prayer tree, and it will go to one of your family of faith members, and somebody will be lifting up your prayer during that whole 21 days. And the next thing I have, our small groups are coming up. Ooh, yeah, right here in the back. Um, small groups is a great way to have community with your family of faith and just build relationships and find freedom. And so I encourage you, go out to the Welcome Center, sign up for a group, or you can also go to onlybelieve.church and sign up for a small group. So are you guys ready to worship the Lord tonight? Get on your feet with us this evening. Let's praise him.
tonight saints it's possible tonight
amen, amen. Well, hey, you can be seated. I'm going to take up tithe and offering tonight. And, uh, you know, I try to think of tithe and offering in different ways. Like, obviously, if you've been in church for a while, you understand tithe is when we bring 10% of what we make and we give it unto the Lord. And it is commanded in God's Word to do so. But here's what I want to encourage you with. God loves us so much. And I think about this when it comes to tithe. I think God doesn't need my money. So he didn't command me to give him 10% because he has a need. Right? He owns everything. He created it all. So it's not his need that I need to bring my tithe for. That means it must be mine. It must be my need. And this seems paradoxical to think that I could have a need, and the best way to meet the need is to give away the thing that I would think would meet the need. But God works that way. See, just like with my children, you know, when the hot stove or the stovetop's hot and I tell them, don't touch it, it's not that I want them to miss out on that thrill of burning their hand, right? I give the rule for a reason. Here's what I, here's what I think. I think that Jesus taught us that where our treasure is, our heart will be also. I think that Jesus taught us that it's very difficult for those of us who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. And God in his love, he said, you know what I can do to protect you is I can make sure that your focus always stays on me as your source. And I think that's hard for me to do sometimes. Because I know when I face difficulties or when something unexpected happens and I'm not sure where the finances are going to come from, most often my first thought is always this, I'll take care of it. I'll figure it out. But that's wrong. And God doesn't want me to forget that he is the source that's greater than me. And so Jesus observes one time, you'll, you'll know the story, the widow that brings all that she had and she put it in the offering, right? And it was just very little. And Jesus says she gave more than anyone else. The reason what she gave was more was because what she really gave was her faith that God would do it. That's what she was giving away, all of her faith, that God would be her source and her provision. And so I want to encourage you tonight. I know that it can be fearful sometimes. I know that Christmas can be stressful for some people. Uh, at certain times in our lives, I think it's been difficult for other people because you want to bless your kids. You want to do all these things, and you're not quite sure how you're going to make it. I want to encourage you to don't give up on God. Don't Keep from God what he's asking of us. No, put your faith in him. That widow gave everything that she had to live on. And I believe at that moment, God in heaven was smiling because there was no pride in her life that would prevent God from reaching out and providing everything that she needed. But see, when we think we can do it on our own, we're not going to look to God. We're going to just go and do it in our own strength, and we're going to kind of try to do it in our own way, and then we're going to feel really good about ourselves, but... That just gets us in a whole lot of trouble. When we just simply take God at his word and say, God, you said that if I give, you'll give it back. You'll bless. You'll be my source and my provision. I can trust you completely. And so I'm not just being obedient. I'm using my faith that you are exactly who you said you are, and you will meet every need according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's what we do when we give our tithe and our offering. Can I pray over it tonight? Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I thank you so much that you are a good father, that you love us, and you do. You give us commandments because you love us, because you want what's best for us. You don't want us to trust in ourselves. That'll mess us up. 
You want us to be confident in who you are, that you are our ultimate source and our provision and every need can be met by you if we would just use our faith and believe and trust and obey. Help us, Father, even those of us that are in difficult situations, to be obedient to your word, knowing that you are a faithful God and you are faithful for a thousand generations. God, we thank you for who you are. We praise you. We give you all the glory and the honor tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you have tithe and offering, bring it on down to the Lord. forever. Glory to God. Tomorrow will be New Year's Eve service. And uh, now don't come here because we aren't going to be here. And uh, but uh, you are going to be stepping into a new year, a new opportunity. Some of us think that it's going to be the same old, same old. And if it is, it's totally our fault. It is up to you and I to take what God has given us and transform the things that oppose us. We are going to uh, start a series here on Wednesday nights. I'm going to talk it, talk about a revolution. A revolution. It is time for you and I to simply wake up. We have been slumbering and sleeping entirely too long, and we have gotten entirely too comfortable. When we talk about revolution, it comes from the word revolt. The word revolt means to rebel. It means to put an end to an authority that has controlled you. Think of what that, that is. When we rebel... We rebel against laws. We rebel against people's wishes. We rebel against things that others want us to do, but those people have a place of authority in our life. And what a revolt does is it goes contrary to it. It means to get disgusted. Are you just disgusted with where you're at? It means to grow sick of something. It means to take over or to take back. A good example is a mutiny or to rise up against. The word rebellion means an act of violence, an open resistance to an established ruler or controller of someone. It comes from a Latin word which means to turn around. In other words, if you're tired of where you're at, it's because you have not decided to turn it around. 
And let me say this, Christians are great starters. People overall are great starters. They start marriages, they start families, they, you know, bail out on them, they give up on them, they stop working in them. You know, we are great to want a job until we get it, then we become the complainers of the universe. Uh, you know, there are so many things that we start that we do not finish. But this is not one of them. And if this is your pattern, then you need to stop feeding on what you've been feeding on and change your diet. You need not only to get sick, you need to keep yourself sick of where you've been. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. All right. Now, there are three types of revolution that takes place or have taken place in our world. The first part is a national revolution that involves the overthrow of a government or what we would say, uh, if we look back at our history, the overthrow of colonialism. In other words, to be ruled from shores far away and to be used to profit that ruler. And that is what the revolution was about in America. That's why we fought. We had things like, uh, sayings like, don't tread on me. Give me liberty or give me death. We had statements that people said that I'm willing to die if I cannot get free from this bondage. The second type is the type that took place in the Arab nations, which was the defeat or the overthrow of division and false boundaries created by outside people. In other words, there is this great split in the Arab nations, and it used to be worse, but now it is calming down. They are starting to gel together, which is a part of the plan of God, and they are coming in to the place that they are putting divisions away. They're putting away the strife and the boundaries that other people have tried to put on them and now they're going to join themselves as the sons of Ishmael, as the Arab nation. And that's what they will become. And then the third is this. It is the social revolution, which many of us here might remember the 1960s and the 1970s. 60s and 70s were a social revolution that has its effect, that has started, and is still affecting our generations now. Do you remember when they first come up with love and free sex? Well, that was the 60s and 70s, the sexual revolution. It is now engrafting, encompassing, and defiling our children at the average age of 11 and a half years old. And we think that's liberty. So the third is a social revolution which involves a turning around of 
the core of what binds people together. See, that's what community is. That's what a nation is. It is a group of people that have one shred, one thread that binds them together. And if you break that thread, then the nation, the community, the customs, the culture of a land fray and become broken. If you notice, there are many things fragmenting in America. But the one thing that hasn't fragmented yet, which will be fragmented, one nation under God. That will ultimately be transformed because we are a God of pluralism. We are a God that allows all types of worship into our borders. We are a people that are defiling and segregating and separating and dividing our culture among other cultures. I am not against other cultures, but if you're going to bring in an organ into a display or a hookup of other organisms to run a body, it has to adapt to the others. The others don't adapt to it. If you go to an Arab nation and try to enter that nation under the banner of Christendom, you are coming home very quickly. You will not be allowed to pollute their faith. And a faith, a nation that is joined in faith is a nation that is joined in heart and purpose. But America has done this to itself because of the unweaving of the personal in relationship of God with individuals in our nation. Now we have even behind us a humanistic education system that is pushing godlessness. Has nothing to do with God. They're not going to celebrate your God. They're going to teach your children about every God except Jesus Christ. And believe me, they will say that it's mandatory and I tell you not to give over the rulership of your children to such people. Now that's not my message, but I'm telling you what is taking place. And you can set it home and complain, or you can get up and scratch that dead piece of meat hanging from your tailbone and get involved in your school system and do something. Well, I don't have children. You've got grandchildren. And you are responsible for that faith going from your children to your grandchildren, so you have to be involved. Amen? All right. It is time to wake up. It's time that you and I get involved in the revolution. Because whether you like it or not, Jesus came and instituted a kingdom of revolutionists. He came and led a revolt against unrighteousness. He came and he led a revolt against immorality, against poverty, against storms, against men being ruled over unrighteous men. He led a revolt against Satan's enthronement over man. 
Come on, could I get an amen? Jesus came, and though it would cost him his life, he was willing to lead the revolt. Remember all of the talk about, oh, he's, he's going to establish another kingdom. Israel thought, when's he going to raise us up? It was all about one kingdom overthrowing another kingdom. That's what Herod was afraid of. There's a child that is going to challenge my rule. That's why Caesar questioned Jesus' motive because he came as a revolutionist into a world that was dictated and ruled by Satan. Hallelujah. But God has given us victory. Could I get an amen? In 1 John 5, 4, if you would turn your Bibles there, we're going to talk about this. Now realize that we need to take up our weapons. Remember when the Philistines were outnumbering Israel and they were scattered, they were living in caves and they were just uh, scrapping and getting by a little uh, work and a little food for their family. But it says when Jonathan called the rally to revolt, to rebel, to have a revolution, they came out with pitchforks, rakes, wood, stakes, clubs. Why? Because the freedom that they had was worth dying for. And we as the church have not counted our redemption worth much. So it's time for you and I to rise up and take our weapons, and we have them. They are weapons of superiority against any nation, against any type of power. We can break free of the rule of Satan, religion, and we are in a war and do not think that you are not. It is spiritual in every way and every turn. And it cannot be resolved nor remedied by a melancholy, passive attitude against sin, against corruption, against wickedness, hypocrisy, lovelessness, and lukewarmness. It is a spiritual battle and will only be won with spiritual weapons. But you are well and able equipped by God to do so. We are in this spiritual weapon, this spiritual war in every sense of the word. Your children are spiritual creatures. You are a spiritual creature. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of all men. In other words, there is a fragment of spiritual life in every man when he is born, even under sin. But that, light, that spiritual life is only to keep him living in this world until death comes to his life. Then the light returns to Christ. That's in 1 John. So we begin to see something that it is a spiritual warfare. Mentally, 
It's a spiritual warfare. Soulishly, our emotions, it is a warfare because he uses our emotions to divide, to defend, to cast off, to leave, to break covenant, to separate one from another. That all has to do with your emotions, your souls. And when somebody said, I, I, I'm just not in love anymore. What does that have to do with the covenant of your relationship? I woke up over 1,500 times and thought to myself, I wish I wasn't married. Oh, don't tell me none of you have, because you're all liars. Every man and woman have ventured one time to think, what if I wasn't married? I never let my feelings govern my decisions. I made an agreement with the woman, and you ought to hear the agreement, till death do we part. Now, I know some of you would say, Oh, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, let it come quickly. No. Realize that we are very, very, very soulishly governed. Well, I'm, I'm leaving that church. Well, why? Well, so-and-so offended me. Well, I didn't. Why, why are you punishing the church? Well, I'm going to backslide because so-and-so did me wrong. God didn't do you wrong. You know, sometimes people just go stupid. They just go plain brain dead because of their emotions. Well, we don't have anything in common. Well, when you were unsaved and you got married, there might not have been much in common. It might have just been all lust provoked. But someplace in time, you're going to have to harness, take control of, and establish righteousness in its proper place in a place of guidance and not a place of options. Amen. Too many Christians fall off the moral wagon every weekend. Now, I'm just telling you this from my perspective. If I had somebody that wasn't afraid to unzip their zipper in front of God, I wouldn't trust them behind my back. And if you think there's anything faithful or good in those people that you're sleeping with, understand, all they're doing is helping you keep the door to hell wide open. So let's not talk about their value in your life. Amen? Would be to God that we could pick out the fornicators in the kingdom because one of their hands were gone. But that means that we have to have on the other side a righteous individual. When two unrighteous people come together, sin will be born. But let's move on. That's not my message. So... We are in a spiritual warfare intellectually. People count the Bible as rubbish. They count the Bible 
as not relevant. They count the Bible as something that should not even be acknowledged. And one of the first books that probably will be burned will be the Bible. You take away the Bible, you can break man's connection with God because God is the Word and the Word is God and He does speak. Amen. Amen. Then we also have our relationships are under satanic rule. We see people doing wrong, but the Bible says you see your brother sin, then you rebuke that brother. There's not much rebuking going on in the kingdom of God. But would be to God that I'd rather have one friend that would rebuke me than ten that would help me sin. Love me enough to say something. Don't love yourself enough to keep me bound. We are ruled by financial powers. Has to do with poverty. Where the church years ago, where the monks took vows of poverty. But then they worked and took offerings to feed the poor. What if everybody was like you? Everybody would be hungry. God never asked you to be poor. The Bible says Jesus himself became poor with your poverty that you could be made rich by his wealth. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. But there is a war going on. And financially, people surrender to lack. And there should be uh, submitting to that which you don't have, and you do it in a temperate way, but you do not do it as a means of life. You do it for the period that you are going to see faith have its complete work because Jesus gave you the keys that you give and it shall be given unto you. But we as Christians are bound by poverty. And then if we aren't bound by poverty, many of us are bound by greed. We just get so much that we don't have time to live for God. We are bound by sickness and disease. I'm not on to you. I'm just bringing it to the forefront. If you don't know you got roaches, you can't buy spray. Hello. And then our purposes are ruled by the devil. And the devil is an authority. He is a strategic government set up to rule over people. He has an ordered kingdom.
kingdom. It's called the kingdom of darkness. Some of the synonyms are the kingdom of death, the kingdom of bondage, the kingdom of control, whatever you might want to call it. You say, well, doesn't God control us? No. That's the problem with Christianity. Is if I would have been instructed to God, I'd have said, listen, they will never be committed to you enough to live for you even as much as an Arab serving a dead, non-existent God. And unless you put mandates on man, he will live for you and do nothing for you. That's what I would have told God. But God gives us the right to choose life and death, evil, purity, and immorality. He gives us all those rights. He made an opportunity for you and I to still obtain repentance through the fountain of God that never ever dries up the blood of Jesus Christ, 1 John and Jeremiah. But that doesn't mean that we should, but it means that we do. Satan wouldn't put up with us getting in the kingdom and out of the kingdom, backsliding and then repenting and coming back and serving him. He'd say, you know what? You're going to do that to me. I'm going to kill you next time you get back over on this side. And he'd take you out. Muslims wouldn't put up with that. Jehovah Witness wouldn't put up with that. Mormons wouldn't put up with that. Only the body of Christ living by truth twisted so much to make it irresponsible and unaccountable to. I'm not being mean, I am just telling you. But see, we think God's long-suffering is God's condoning. Would be to God that we could have 10 Ananias and Sapphiras a year. Oh, would you want people to die? No, I don't want people to die, but I do want God to execute and show forth what true judgment is. Because we have no inkling. We really don't know when we get to heaven, just how many sins that will follow us. Some men's sins go before them, other men's sins follow them. And I wish to God and hope to God that all my sins go right here. That I don't have any when I get to heaven. Because nobody will be able to stand there with sin in their life and say, but I was afraid and I knew how you were. Jesus will say to you, take what he's got. And I say to you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Now that's a man that was in the working of God that refused to use his talent. 
Oh, I don't know. Is it? Oh, no, no. Ask that guy if Jesus lied to him. Jesus didn't lie to him. I'm really, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to stir you up to get ready to revolt against the devil. And uh, so I just praise God. Listen, we need to revolt against anything that keeps us from accomplishing our purpose. I said it Sunday morning. How many purposes do you have on cassette tape in your sanctuary drawer? And if you've got them there, you best get about doing it. Well, I don't have money. I don't have time. You're being ruled by a government that is not God. Because the government that rules you says, I'll meet every need according to your riches and glory. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God that's over. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now listen, we are going to be talking about a revolution. We will have to get aggressive. There are revolutions all over the world. Plots being formed against governments. Business taking overs. People planning to overthrow families and family structures for their own lusts, for their own desire, for their own boredom. There are magazines coming through your mail every day trying to lay hold of your financial means. Whether you can't afford it, please get a visa. No pay for 90 days. And then they turn you over to the tormentors. And you start getting calls all hours of the night. Then pretty soon food is on the card. House payment is on the card. Look, look folks, you, you can't do this. Lead a revolution against yourself and against the devil. Amen? Let's become revolutionists. Remember what they said about the disciple. These are men that have turned the governmental system of the world upside down. They turned the kingdom of darkness upside down and they turn the kingdom of naturalism, sickness, disease, poverty. They turned all of that around, and they turned around the rule of the government of Rome. They turned it around. How could they not? How did kings want to take men captive and bring them in front of them so they could hear about this kingdom. They were intrigued. They were convinced that it was something supernatural. And that's what we are. We are supernatural people. But we have allowed the devil 
to deceive us. We have fell into what I want to call normalism. In other words, we count everything that happens in our life as normal. Therefore, we hold nobody accountable. And if you're being attacked with sickness, disease, or anything else, it's not normal. That's why your body convulses against it. It's not normal. Well, 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 you know, we all got to get old. Well, you can get old. You don't just have to die sick. Die old. Just go to bed and not wake up. That's how you die. Amen? You open your eyes and you go to yell at your wife. You see an angel there and say, I know this ain't natural. Now, we as Christians, if you are ever going to start living the abundant life, then it is going to demand that you start taking charge of things that govern your life. Whether it's food, whether it's money, whether it's lust for things, greed, <coughs> poverty, whatever it is, you're going to have to take charge of it. And I think that we ought to lead a revolt. Amen? I'm not satisfied with where I've been. I'm not satisfied with where I am. But I'll be happy when I get to where I'm headed. But it's not going to come without a fight. Faith itself is a confrontation with everything that defies the reality and the existence of God. Amen? All right, praise God. Well, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. So we're going to be teaching on this for several weeks on Wednesday nights. We're going to be revolutionists. Revolutionists. Amen? We are going not to overthrow the things that govern our life, but we are going to set other people free. Whosoever sins you remit, they'll be remitted. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, make us, God, just disturbed that what you said is real is not happening in our life. Let us break God out of this complacency, this self-satisfaction of normalism, that God, life is not normal. It is an endeavor to walk with God in a supernatural fashion. God, let us be known as the revolutionists. Let us rise up with our weapons, God, and overthrow the governments that are tyrannies over us, that tread upon us, that oppress us, keep us down, and keep us, God, as it were, unconscious 
of the life that you have for us. God, open our eyes, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge that we will know the hope of our calling. Hallelujah. And the extreme riches of your grace in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for it. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Saturday night for Jesse Duplantis. Hey, live streamers, we're so glad that you could join us today. Be sure to check out all of our social media platforms, and we can't wait to see you next time.